Emily, how many times were you vomited on today? Zero. Damn. <laughs> I was vomited on twice. Um, I have a three-year-old and he goes to daycare and that's basically just a festering hotbed of just germs. Mm, kids are so gross. They're Don't. just, they are disgusting. And, um, I basically was vomited all over at the zoo today, uh, which is just like, I think today I became a father. He was born three and a half years ago, but today I became a dad while I was wringing the vomit out of my polo shirt in a sink. Um, Did any other parents give you sympathetic looks? There wasn't a lot of sympathetic looks. I think they were kind of like, stay away from my child, yeah. you germ freak. Why did you bring him here to this public space? I didn't know he was sick until he vomited. Um, so um, I've probably got it. Let's face it. Um so I'm going to need something to help me through my, my sort of nausea over the next oh little while. Uh, and maybe one of the things I will use uh, is mint. Mint was mentioned uh, in the Icelandic pharmacopias as early as 1240 AD as a herbal remedy. It gained popularity over the next two centuries. Monks in the Middle Ages were known to use peppermint as a tooth polisher. And during the same period, cheesemakers learned that the strong smell of peppermint would keep rats and mice out of the storeroom. And it's also used to treat nausea. So uh, in, in ancient times, peppermint was used to calm and soothe dyspepsia, which eventually led to the traditional after-dinner mint. And not only does an after-dinner mint refresh the breath after eating strongly flavoured dishes, it also relieves indigestion by calming the smooth muscles, uh, which are found around the stomach and intestines. And also helps with irritable bowel syndrome, if I get a bit of that <laughs> from my kid today as well. Uh, 78% of IBS sufferers got relief from cramping, constipation, bloating and diarrhea after taking peppermint oil capsules. Is there nothing it can't do tonight? We will talk about mint. It doesn't really matter because I'm pretty sure no one else, no one's listening anymore. They turned off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I lost you at smooth muscles. Or was it irritable bowel? Was it the word bowel? How many uh, times should we say bowel? I think it was a... Rep- <laughs> I think it was you repeating diarrhea. Okay. Well, this is a food podcast. We are going to bring it back to food at some point. But uh, yeah, this is the mint episode. So I, as you know, really love lollies. My grandparents used to buy meter long bags of lollies um, because of how quickly I ate them. May, may, <laughs> I, I didn't want to mention diabetes, but you know. <laughs> it may... <laughs> Let's just say it all adds up. <laughs> so they were a metre long. How wide were they? Um, probably about... A metre. That's just, <laughs> that's just a sack. They were yeah. buying you a sack of lollies. Yeah, in a box. Yep. And there was a hierarchy to the lollies they used to get. So obviously racing cars were the best. Pineapples were great. One day there were these big fried egg lollies, oh, which yeah. were like the best and so rare. So mm. extra good. Um, then there were like good lollies, which were jelly babies, strawberries and cream. And there were the bearable lollies like black cats, which I still ate but didn't really enjoy eating. And then there were the truly horrific lollies, spearmint leaves. So spearmint leaves are the leaf-shaped lollies that are pale green and dusted with sugar and taste like spearmint. Mm. And they, not only is that just a shit idea for a lolly, but they also have the worst texture. It's like they're only half gummy. Like they can't commit to being an actual lolly. I, I got it. I, uh, wait till wait. I, like them. I know, because they're a dad lolly. <laughs> oh no! Ah, <laughs> oh, I might as well listen to some Wilco now. Yeah. My dad doesn't even like them. 
And uh, he, yeah, he thinks Wilco are lame. <laughs> oh, God. I, I, I'm really surprised that you like them because I really thought that nobody liked them. I, the, every lolly has its place. No. It, it's like a fruit salad, you know? You, you have a little bit like it'll freshen you up and then you're going for a chocolate freckle or something that's going to sort of coat your mouth in that sort of no. really crappy compound chocolate kind of, you know, and you, it's almost like brushing your teeth after a, after I, a meal. I don't understand what you're saying with the fruit salad and the freckle. They do completely different things. Okay, I'm mixing my metaphors. I'm tired. I got vomited on twice today. (laughs) Give me a break. Anyway, um, it seems like people, more people agree with me because last year Alan stopped making spearmint leaves. Okay. Along with green frogs. But, I mean, it's obvious why green frogs got stopped, were stopped being made. Because because red frogs exist. Why why do you need red? It's like green capsicum. No, thank you. So I feel like people would have seen the spearmint leaves being deleted coming. Um, And a spokeswoman for Alan says, the situation is that our lollies are actually going gangbusters, but we have deleted a couple. We have deleted spearmint leaves and also the green frogs, basically because they weren't selling so well, Margaret Stewart said. She also said, it's been surprising to see the amount of passion for spearmint leaves. What passion? Seriously? No one kicked up a fuss. No, seriously, no one would fight for spearmint leaves. But then I did look into it a little bit mm-hmm. and some people did, but not because they liked them, <laughs> because they used them in their Christmas decorations uh, as the leaves on top of the pudding. Yeah, yeah. Or I was thinking, no one specifically said this, but it did make me remember the dinosaur cake in the Women's Weekly Cookbook with all the spikes of spearmint yeah. leaves. Yeah, Which is a... I'll be, you know, I'll give it to spearmint leaves. They make it look great, but no one will want to actually eat that cake. Well, what a, what a dinosaur cake maker is going to do now? Well, yeah, I was trying to think if there's anything they can replace it with. I don't think there is. Mm. They might just have to, might just have to rip out the dinosaur page and hope nothing good's on the back. So are they done now? Yeah, they're spearmint done. leaves are done. Yeah, people shouldn't be pissed off because you, you you couldn't even buy them from supermarkets like. You, Alan's provided them in bulk to like those holly shops where you just like got little yeah, bags of whatever you wanted or like a big of bag thing. of them. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't really understand what the fuss about spearmint leaves is about. Like you didn't even know they were deleted and I you didn't. didn't care. No, <laughs> I'm not passionate about them. You just eat them if they're there. Yes. Well, well they're covered in sugar. <laughs> <laughs> so they're like you know, and then they're gentle on my old man teeth <laughs> while I'm while I while I listen to some Steely Dan and just think about yesterday. <laughs> hey Em, I don't want to start an argument with you, but I'm going to start an argument with you. Meats and fruits. I'm not against it completely. So you can say that there are some meats and some fruits that go together. Yeah. So pork and apple, prosciutto and nectarine, prosciutto and nectarine. Bacon wrapped around a prune. What are they? I angels guess. angels on horseback? I wasn't alive in the 70s. Ham, <laughs> ham and pineapple on a pizza. No. Just per- perfect <laughs> together. <sighs> All right. But my favorite, it's actually not my favorite, but we're talking about mint tonight. So I'm just going to say that it is <laughs> the purpose of the podcast. My favorite is lamb and mint. They go together oh, perfectly. Yeah. Like fresh mint though. No, no. I love home <laughs> brand mint jelly on my roast. Or sometimes I like that that sort of sharp, peppery vinegariness of, again, home brand uh, mint sauce cutting through the fat of a of a good lamb shank. 
you know, lamb's a very fatty meat. You need something kind of sweet or or kind of sharp or acidic to cut through that. And mm. that's what mint sauce does. Um, part of it might be the sugar and vinegar. Part of it might be the mint. <laughs> Either way, um, there is some science to why lamb and mint go together because of that, the sort of fat and the acidity. But there's also history. There's a blog post on a blog that I found called The Old Foodie. And it's from 2009. So this is an old blog. Um <laughs> That goes into some of this history. Uh, so firstly, lamb and mint have been eaten together for a long time. She tracks down uh, a, a recipe for mint sauce from 1717 uh, from the accomplished housekeeper and universal cook by T. Williams. The recipe is pretty simple. It just says, wash your mint perfectly clean from grit or dirt, then chop it very fine and put to it vinegar and sugar. But then there was like 23 comments on this blog post. So the, the good, the, what is it? The old foodie. Um, is doing something right. It's getting some good engagement rate going on there. Uh, and this post was that mint sauce became the essential accompaniment to roast lamb in Britain thanks to Queen Elizabeth I. To stop her subjects eating lamb and mutton to help the wool industry. So essentially, lamb was too delicious. People were eating too many sheep uh, and uh, the wool industry was suffering. So she decreed that the meat could only be served with bitter herbs to stop people from eating it. Enterprising cooks discovered that mint made the meat taste better, not worse. Wow. And so um, the meddling of the government, trying to limit the eating uh, of, of wool-producing produ- sheep, um, only caused them to invent home-brand mint jelly. So I want to thank you, Queen Elizabeth I. <laughs> thank you indeed. Have you ever had toothpaste without mint? Or when I was a kid, there was like bubblegum flavoured. Yeah. I had like a toothpaste called Milky Teeth and it wasn't mint flavoured and I really liked it and I think it was sweet. But recently, I um, like I think all kids' toothpaste isn't minty because yeah. like it's too strong for them. Too something. strong. Yeah, it freaks them out. I mm. gave, I feel like I've been, this is, the, this is now, is it, am, I, am I a daddy blogger now? Is this what's happening? <laughs> well, Walt did suggest mint. He did actually suggest mint. <laughs> He did say, you should talk about mint on Ingridopedia. And I was like, wow, you understand the premise of my podcast. You're too smart. And I just stopped reading to him for a couple of months and it slowed him down. Um, yeah, uh, we accidentally gave him grown-up toothpaste one night. And he was like, ah, hot, hot, ha. Yeah, kids don't like mint so much as it happens. Um, well, I think the opposite happens when you become an adult because I went to buy, this is embarrassing, but sensitive toothpaste because I was really jealous of people that can bite into ice creams and I can't do that. So I wanted to make my teeth better. But I accidentally bought an, a toothpaste that didn't have mint in it somehow. I don't know how. What, what did it have? I don't know what it had, but it's fucked and just, I never had it again. <laughs> I just threw it out. not mint. No. Um, so I wanted to find out why toothpaste is mint flavoured. And there's a really great article on Table Matters, which explained it really well. So before there was toothpaste, people used to clean their teeth with crushed shells, chalk, brick dust, powdered bone, or even charcoal. Mm. I've heard charcoal, but not not crushed bone. (laughs) Um, Powdered bone. So like they used to rub it into their teeth and gums to like get all the um, food off there. And then to sweeten the breath, Um, people used to crush herbs into their tooth scrub or vinegar mouthwash. And mint was sometimes used for this purpose, but also rosemary, parsley and sage. So mint does have a history as a breath freshener, but 
there have been lots of flavours that have been used as breath fresheners throughout history, like clove and cinnamon mm-hmm. are still used in some European toothpaste, which I <laughs> brought back as souvenirs for my family <laughs> because, um, yeah, I'm with. <laughs> Just because I thought it was cool. Yeah. Um, and then... Vi- well, from which country? Italy. From Italy. Yeah. Yep. And violet and licorice were traditionally used in mints because they're sweet but also like a bit sharp, so changes the taste in your mouth Mm -hmm. but mint oils are the cheapest and easiest to come across Uh so and there were already heaps of peppermint farms um, for peppermint tea so it wasn't like a stretch to start producing mint for toothpaste so it's probably cost that makes our toothpaste minty but it's also the feel of mint Mm. because mint unlike other breath freshening flavors makes your mouth cold Mm. but the fresh sensation is actually a thermal illusion because the actual temperature of your mouth doesn't change. It, it doesn't actually make our mouth cold, but it turns on this cell that makes it feel cold. Mm. So we experience a coolness in the mouth that isn't actually there. It's actually magic. Let's expand on that, because I want to talk more about the cool mouth feel okay. that happens from, from mint. Uh, so you brush your teeth. It, it feels cool, as you say. Mm. What is actually happening is that it's firing up your TRPM8s, mate. Mm. So, as you were saying, the science of the cooling feel of peppermint oil um, is a thing and it's explained in a piece on uh, The Conversation, which is a website of academic writing kind of dressed up in journalistic tone. Uh, so, it was written by Anwesha Gosh, who's a PhD student in biology at the University of Rochester. She says, our nervous system is built to sense changes in temperatures. A whole set of nerves running from our skin to the brain is dedicated to conveying just that information. The receptor protein that senses the change in temperature is called TRPM8. It's found in all cold-sensing nerve cells. Uh, Whenever there's a drop in temperature, the voltage in TRPM8 somehow changes and its shape changes so that it allows calcium ions to flow into the nerve cells. So this is what happens when those receptors sense cold. But peppermint drops or peppermint oil also fire up the TRPM8 in cold-sensing nerves and make our mouth feel instantly cool. And not just our mouth either. Like, it makes our muscles feel cool. And so it's used... Really? Um, yeah. So it's used um, to treat arthritis. Uh, rubbing peppermint oil into sort of arthritic joints cools them down and makes them feel better. Um, and in the mouth, even after you've swallowed, there's some menthol that remains and keeps nerves activated. And that's why when you have a sip of water after you brush your teeth, oh, yeah. it's like that you get sort of cool all over again. Um, and in fact, our nerves have similar proteins to sense hot temperatures as well. Um, scientists have discovered a protein called TRPV1 that acts like TRPM8 to sense a rise in temperature. And what do you think tickles the TRPV1? Capsaicin, which is the hot stuff uh, in chili. And capsicum spray. And capsicum spray. Um, that's the chemical that yeah, gives hot peppers their zing, and that directly activates TRPV1, which gives the intense feeling of heat, even though there's no heat there. So foods can trick our bodies. Peppermint oil, uh, sort of the, the menthol in mint, um, can trick our body into to thinking that it's cool, and uh, chili and, and peppers can trick our body into thinking it's hot. So the body is an idiot, and food <laughs> is smarter than us. One of my friends used to rent an apartment that had a like communal herb garden mm-hmm. as part of it. Yeah, I've had one of them before. It's cool. Yeah, I've but never had one. There's always lo- lots of like stuff, like heaps of like time when it gets really coarse, 
and you've got to cook it forever or, you know, or like heaps of rosemary and all the good stuff like basil or yeah. like yeah, anything that you really want dies straight away and no one replants it. Well, he's pissed off with his herb garden too, but it's not because of that. It's because the herbs are really fancy. Like instead of mint, they grow chocolate mint oh, or yeah. pineapple mint. When you just want plain mint, just give me the mint. Yeah, but they probably got um, they probably got Thai basil. It's like I don't want yeah. Thai basil. I'm not making a faux every night. <laughs> oh, fuck. Um, but like chocolate mint interested me because it sounds like a freaking Willy Wonka world of mint. Like what other mints are there? Yeah. So there's apple mint, banana mint, pineapple mint, strawberry mint, orange mint, ginger mint, chocolate mint. And then Kentucky Colonel Mint, <laughs> which is not mint that tastes like fried chicken. Uh-huh. I looked it up. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know why people need so many different mints. And I don't know what the difference is. Does chocolate mint taste like an arrow? is basically what I'm asking. Mm-hmm. Have you tried it before? I don't think so. I don't think I have either. Um, and I couldn't find it. So I still haven't. But I looked up pictures of them and they all look very similar. Could you ask your friend or is he just like, he doesn't oh, need it? he just didn't need it. He no, was he's like, like no. I'm over this. <laughs> um, so I went to the internet to find out if chocolate mint chase, tastes like chocolate. Okay. And on thegardenweb.com, Jude31 says, it only tastes like chocolate if you have a vivid imagination. And Sally too says, the taste is vaguely like chocolate mint, but more pepperminty than chocolatey. So I feel like it's one of those like, bullshit things that <laughs> yep. isn't really like it's just more a marketing thing than a actual thing so on organicauthority.com they said with chocolate mint you get all of the chocolatey goodness of well chocolate without the calories <laughs> no pretty sure you're just eating a leaf yeah. that doesn't taste like chocolate so you get none of the goodness <laughs> no also none of the calories <laughs> but more to the point none of the goodness and none of the taste yeah and, and, not, well, and just go away. Actually, none of the chocolate, <laughs> which is the whole point of yeah. chocolate. Yeah. But all of the mint. Yeah. Speaking of goodness and mint, um, let's talk about the worst thing that you can possibly do with mint. And that is to put it in cigarettes. Mm, yeah, that's probably the worst thing you can do, actually. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, we mentioned the, the trickery of the TRP M8 that makes your mouth feel cool. Well, uh, an enterprising uh, young man called Lloyd, well, actually, I don't know if he's young or not, uh, just a guy called Lloyd Spud Hughes uh, in 1925 introduced menthol to cigarettes. Um, this A lot of this comes from an article in The Atlantic, uh, which is a, about the the rise of the menthol, menthol cigarette. So Lloyd Spud Hughes was working as a cashier in a restaurant when he came up with the idea of adding menthol flavoring to give the illusion of a cooler smoke. And thus was born Spud brand cigarettes, the first widely sold menthol smoke in America. By 1932, Spud had become the fifth most popular cigarette in the country. And I've, I've tracked down an old ad for Spud cigarettes. We'll play oh, a little bit of it now. Is this illegal? Does this count as like no, cigarette advertising? No, that's okay. I think, we're, well, it's editorial use. Although, um, I don't know. I, <laughs> don't play this if you've got kids around or if you're uh, open to suggestion or, or slightly um, dim-witted because, well, you'll know, you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, and just visually, just picture the creepiest man you can think of. You're picturing him? <laughs> M, stop looking at me like that. <laughs> 
creepier than me even. Uh, and he's staring directly into the camera and it's black and white. This is like a David Lynch film, this ad. Anyway, that's what, that's what you would be seeing if you could see it. And this is what you would be hearing. Look into my eyes. I'm going to hypnotize you. Yes, you. Right now. No, don't look away. Look into my eyes. Relax. You want to smoke? You want a smoke that will make your mouth taste fresh? There is such a smoke. It's called Spud. New Spud. It's new. New. It's a completely new filter cigarette. Other cigarettes have filters, but this new Spud has something else. It has a light touch of menthol that freshens the smoke. Something wonderful. New Spud by the makers of Marlboro. New Spud has a filter tip. It has a crush-proof box. It has a fresh taste like it was air-conditioned. You're going to try New Spud tomorrow. You're going to try New Spud. You're going to buy a pack tomorrow. Yeah, so pretty full on. Um, uh, when people kind of talk about the evil of advertising, that's exactly yeah. what they're talking about right there. They were essentially trying to use the power of suggestion and really uh, it seemed like they were like, well, we're kind of, maybe we're making fun of this. This ad was from 1957. Mustn't have worked that well because Spud was discontinued in 1963, but menthol cigarettes by then had um, really taken off. And the insidiousness of, of the advertising I just played is kind of typical of the way menthol cigarettes were marketed. So tobacco companies shamelessly promoted menthol cigarettes as being somehow fresher and by implication healthier. In the early 70s, Salem um, print ads t- touted the brand's natural menthol. Um, so there was a line, um, that's what gives Salem a taste as soft and fresh as springtime, the ads declared. Later, the makers of menthol Newport began a long-running campaign touting the brand as being alive with pleasure. So it's always been positioned as a slightly healthier cigarette. Uh, and for that reason, it also attracted a lot of new smokers. So in, in the um, US Food and Drug Administration, or the FDA, released a study in 2013 concluding that cigarettes containing menthol may, make it easier to start smoking and harder to quit. And they recommended that they be banned, but um, they weren't. In, and that's... After banning other um, flavored cigarettes in 2009, the um, the FDA banned uh, like clove cigarettes or like anything with like strawberry mm. flavored. That they were all banned in 2009, but menthols were excluded from that ban. ban. And um, one of the reasons that that sort of come up in a lot of these articles is that there's a lot of racial politics involved in it, and that African Americans uh, are 80 percent more likely to smoke menthol cigarettes than than other wow. racial groups. Um, so it was put in the too hard basket in the US um, and in Canada as well. They, they like the same report came out and said ban them, and they weren't banned there. And even in Australia, where we're really forward thinking on issues like plain packaging and removing words like light from our cigarettes, and we were the first country in the world to bring in plain packaging. But you can still buy menthol cigarettes here, so they're still out there. They're still making people mm-hmm. start smoking. They're still kind of being touted as fresher and smoother and cleaner because they make your mouth feel cool. But Every, any anybody listening to this, just know that it's just um, a man named Spud figured out that he could play on your TRPM8s and the cigarettes are still mm. killing you. And hypnotise you. Look into my eyes. You, <laughs> you will give this podcast a good review. <laughs> so what did we talk about in the Mint episode? Um, I talked about spearmint leaves and how they're pointless. I talked about the uh, the pairing of lamb and mint. 
in round two, I um, talked about why toothpaste tastes like mint. And I talked about the TRPM8 and the cooling effect of peppermint oil. And then I investigated whether chocolate mint tastes like chocolate. And then I hypnotized you with menthol cigarettes. <laughs> so that was a mint episode. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for all the suggestions that have been coming through and all the feedback. Uh, yeah, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. That's just Ingredipedia on both of those. Or head to our website if you want to suggest an ingredient. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll keep them coming if you keep listening. Kind of desperate. It did, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll keep doing it anyway. <laughs> We've got nothing better to do. <laughs>